to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Once again, my name is Pearson. Once again, I am joined by a couple members of the Streaking Lawn crew. Zach, how's it going? It's good. It's good. Oh. Basketball is almost here. Oh, yeah. And because we're going to talk about a lot of basketball, Ben is joining us again. Ben. Basketball Ben. Cool nickname. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How Genius. are you? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. Doing better now that basketball season is almost upon us. You and me both, my friend. Um, but you know, I did restructure my contract so I never have to talk about football again. But I feel like it would be poor journalism sportsmanship not not to uh not to reference uh that we did completely skip talking about football last week in the hopes that they would um win during our uh our, our our mailbag about basketball and unfortunately they lost one of the more disappointing losses in a long history of recent disappointing losses for the virginia football team who uh, dropped the homecomings game uh against louisville after looking pretty good in the first quarter and uh yeah zach i you know what what we don't need to spend a lot of time on this because what is there to say? It's it's bad vibes all around, and we don't want this to be a bad vibes podcast. So let's let's hit some quick notes and move along. Yeah, I mean, I think the big like you know six games in the season, halfway in the regular season, sort of storyline. I mean, first of all, Elliot was like he was like amped up in the post game press conference. I mean, um, I'm completely blanking on his name but the ap writer asked him a question about like oh it looked like this offense early on was a little bit like last year's offense and then this these are sort of the quotes that were going around twitter and he was basically like i mean he was very respectful in his answer like elliot is not a guy who disrespects um journalists unlike you know other schools coaches um and so (laughs) so there's that but like at the same time he just went like yeah i'm sick and tired of hearing about last year like he basically just went on a rant Mm. about it And I think that on the one hand, yes, like we get what you're saying here. On the other hand, dude, like they did well last year. And I know that the personnel is different. I know that things have changed, but like use Keaton Thompson in a different role. Use him in a way that he's not catching. He's not catching the ball 15 yards down the field off of a slant because he's never done that before in his life. Get get him the ball in in, in scenarios where he's going to be able to make plays. So there's that. And and just like sort of the like – no, I didn't. I, I, <laughs> I was, I was writing. Um, but so, so there's just like that element of the coaching staff that I feel like don't yeah. understand that they're taking over a program that was not driven into the ground for the last staff. And this is something that, that uh, Jackie French really from uh, Wahoo's two has brought up a lot is that like, it's a weird situation to be in because it's very easy to say, look at last year because there was success. And it's also very easy, especially when you consider that the offense was really good and the defense was really bad. And so it's just, it's a weird sort of like, it's not like everything was mediocre and things are still mediocre, but it's got a little bit worse because it's a new staff. There's also, it seems like pretty clearly a lack of buy-in from the roster. And and I think that that is just like, Elliot was pretty frank about that in, in um, the press conferences. And it, if he wasn't saying it outright, you could absolutely, absolutely infer that. Um and it, it also makes sense. Like, it makes sense that the, the players aren't necessarily bought into a system that has them at two and four after last year. I mean, listen, it's important to remember, like, they were six and six last year, right. you know? And, and and so there's all that considered. Um, but, you know, it just, it, it, it seems like there's a complete disconnect. 
And it's not, that's not rare for a coach in his first year. Like these are not unique problems to Virginia. I also think that there's a developing concern that Tony Ellett is trying to run this, like it's like it's this program, like it is Clemson. He's trying to build Clemson like Clemson was built in the 2010s. Mm-hmm. And that's just not going to happen. Well, what do you mean by that? You look at, you look at recruiting and, and, and you just, you look at sort of, they're expecting players to win in scenarios where they're expecting their players to just be better than the other team, specifically on offense. Mm. You're, you're, you're putting guys in, in positions to just win their one-on-one battles mm-hmm. and, and to just be better and just expecting them to be better. Whereas, and, and, and all of this is, is comes with layers and layers of things that even, you know, I, I cannot understand because, you know, I've never been a part of a college football program but by any stretch of the imagination, but, I think it comes down to this team is bad. This team, it would be a mini miracle if they made a bowl game. I think that that is very oh, clear now. Not happening. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was just putting it out. There. No, I know. I'm just putting it out there. It's not like the Coastal Division. Not that it is ever good, but it's not like any of the teams that we thought might be good in the Coastal Division are actually sure, good. Sure. Miami sucks. Pitt is bleh. If they manage to be Georgia Tech and you're thinking they could be Coastal Carolina, then you're saying, all right, we're just two of these toss-ups against exactly. other psycho exactly. Coastal teams that right. no one knows what they're going to get. I get that. Right. So there's that. At the same time, going back to the point on this team being bad, I just I, this is actually uh, inspired. I wanted to buy uh, this tweet by uh, Robert Felder um, on Twitter. He's uh, UVA grad. And um, I just went to NCAA.com and the team statistics and then basically like went through them and went through the ones where I was like, yeah, UV is probably not good at that. Um, so out of 131 teams, I'm just going to run through a couple of stats here. So UVA um, averages 71.3 penalty yards per game, which is 120th in the country out of 131. Their third down conversion rate is 34.6, which is 100th in the country. Their fourth down conversion percentage is 36.4, which is 113th. Their completion percentage is 54.5%, which is 117th. Despite forcing 11 turnovers, the defense, they are minus four in turnover margin, which is 110th in the country. And their 27 minutes of possession, of like time of time of possession per game uh, is 114th in the country after the coaching staff came into the season saying, we're going to run the ball and give the defense breaks and all this other stuff. So it's just, I think it just comes down to the fact that like this team has been bad. They're probably underperforming yeah. and couldn't be better, but it's, how many, um, it's just not good. How many lunches do I have to buy you for you to just like rattle those off in the next press conference? <sighs> what? Think, about it. think it over. Think it over. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Ben, I, I don't think you're too excited to to chime in, so no pressure, but uh, a few thoughts, if you wouldn't mind. You know, it's just tough watching this team after having such a dominant offensive season last year, just almost completely reverse it. Um, I'm not sure how advanced statsy our podcast audience is, but um, expected points added uh, is a statistic that basically looks at how many points you're going to score on the drive before the play and then how many points you're expected to score after the play um, and finds the difference between that. Uh, last season, Virginia was near the top of the NCAA in this. So you'd assume that returning most of the same guys, um, you'd 
have a very good, very productive offense. Uh, this year, Tony Elliott came in, and with a lot of the f- emphasis on rushing offense, uh, we are 89th out of 131 teams and expected points added per game on run plays. But he may have actually had a point because on passing plays, we are now 126th out of 131 teams on passing plays in terms of EPA per game, wow. which is unbelievable to be bottom five in the country after watching how dominant this team looked all year last season. Um, as always, it goes back to the offensive line. Um, they had overall a 22 pass blocking grade on pro football focus, which on a zero to hundred scale is pretty horrible. Allowed 16 pressures on Brennan Armstrong, seven sacks uh, per pro football focus. And then on those plays, just three throws uh, or seven attempts for three completions and two interceptions went under pressure. Uh, teams know exactly how to beat this Virginia offense. And as Zach said, they're counting on guys to win one-on-one and guys aren't winning one-on-one on the offensive line and guys aren't winning one-on-one at the receiver position. And it's really hard to have a productive offensive attack when the game's going like that. I think things look good for a minute against Louisville. You were up 10 nothing, driving down, about to score. And then Brennan Armstrong with an all-too-common red zone fumble and turnover. And from there, it was just all Louisville. I don't think you can overstate how disappointing it is to get waxed at home by Louisville with the backup <laughs> quarterback. But told it's you. not something that we wouldn't expect guys. from this team. <laughs> Zach, you were there. <laughs> so. Backup yeah. quarterback. It's a curse. I also think the Louisville game, there was this – there was this moment where it was like, this is like, oh my God. Like the, on that, on that uh, 45, whatever yard touchdown to Wicks, where it was just like, wait a minute. Like we went back a year in time and there was just, and, and then as Ben said, going back on that offense, on that drive down the field before Brennan fumbled, it, it just, it felt like it was clicking. You know, it felt like we have this backup quarterback on the ropes because we're bringing pressure and he can't handle it. And the offense is finally like Brennan is connecting on his, some of his passes. Yeah. There's a drop or two here, but let's forget about it for a minute. And then they just come, they just, they continue to just shoot themselves in the foot. And it's really difficult to be a, a fan or to cover this team when anytime something starts to go right. And, and I know that this is, Pierce probably will laugh and say, this is just UVA football, but anytime <laughs> something starts to go right, something goes wrong and I am not immune to this Ben and I are not immune to this as Philadelphia fans in general shut up hey listen your team is five and oh shut up six and oh first of all second of all when we choke in the playoffs (laughs) shut up you've won a Super Bowl in your lifetime with like 12 years you've been on this planet I won't hear it I won't hear it (laughs) Anyway, no, I'm obviously joking. I know what you mean. Um, it's like Lucy in the football almost. Like, we're set up for six right. And, then, and you know. it's just it's, – it's, it's really tough. And, I mean, it's not like a guy like Brennan isn't bought in. He Like, you know, he, he's – if anybody is, he is. And it's just – it's just really yeah, tough. Where it's like, why is Brennan coughing the ball up, man? Like, what – I don't know. I'm no expert on like how to like, I feel like holding a football is fairly straightforward when you run with it, but like, what is the technical issue? 
I, I mean, I think you saw a coach even say, you know, he was holding it below his, uh, yeah, his elbow below his wrists or vice versa. Um, I don't know, never had to yeah. do that. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think it is, it is alarming that even if we all expected, I think most of us expected a, a decent season because the schedule was very easy, but even the most pessimistic who, who expected a, a regression would have gone, well, the defense it's going to take time to turn over and lost the O-line, but no one would have expected this amount of loss in yeah. offensive capability. I mean, and I mean, that's incredible. The opponents in the first half of the season have been better. Like Duke is better than expected. Syracuse is better expected. Illinois is probably better than expected. Mm-hmm. Louisville is bad. Louisville is bad. And so is their backup quarterback. And, and exactly. they made him look really good. Because and so being three and three, <laughs> just winning that game changes how you feel about this program right now. Yeah. And and maybe, maybe that plays into, oh, you know, we're being too hard. It's one game or whatever. But it's just if you if you just take care of business against Louisville and you say, and, and then we're talking about you handle Georgia Tech and right. you're four and three and you're looking for two wins out of five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. just, yeah, you know, it's everything we went through, right? right? They instead, that's you saw what they turned in, right? Like, yeah, um, I mean, and and as we've noted plenty of times, the danger is apathy. Um, and I think we all know why everyone is quick to apathy about the football program. I mean, I don't think it's, uh, yeah, it doesn't need to be repeated. I will say, you know, I don't want to keep the that vibes down <laughs> for, for the podcast, but I was really unimpressed with the uh, post uh, game comments and yeah. uh, we'll leave it at that. Can we talk about happy things now? Yes. Yeah? All right. Basketball. Happy times for basketball, both basketball teams. I might add uh, lots of optimism out there, um, both in uh, the Charlotte media days. Um, shout out coach Josh Passer. Uh, who I really come around on in in my long history of commenting on other ACC coaches. Uh, I've done a complete 180 on Josh Brasser down at at Georgia Tech, uh, who said that uh, North Carolina is the best team in the country and Virginia is the best team in the conference. Um, no, no, he didn't it, say that they're the best team. He said that they should be, they should be predicted to go number one in the ACC. Oh, okay, and I, yeah, I get yeah. what he's saying is, yeah, is yeah, that you know the slog of the regular season for the ACC often benefits Virginia uh, compared to teams. You know, I mean, UNC though is veteran and and deep with that veteran talent. So I don't. Yeah, it's that, not. It's not, like not the Duke, Duke that's right. yeah, exactly yeah. or Louisville. But anyway. Um, Point being, a lot of optimism about both the men's and women's team. Y'all went to uh, the blue and white scrimmages, right? And and we've got plenty to share about that. I will say, here's my first question. The optimism about the men's basketball team, is it because everyone is ready to move on because football is so bad? How much, to what degree is it being impacted? Is the chatter and the optimism being impacted because the football team is bad? And now like, we're like, dear God, let the basketball team be good. I mean, if there was ever going to be a world where it was like the football optimism is really there so people aren't worried about basketball, like I, I, the odds of that actually happening, maybe 30%? 
Yeah, but if we if we were good at football, if the oh, team yeah, no, was, was crushing okay, it, yeah. we'd be like, yeah, and basketball will probably take a step up, you know, Fair. after last year's disappointing season. We'd be like, I bet basketball's going to be good, you know, but yeah. it wouldn't be this just like basketball's going to be great, yeah, guys. No, 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 I no, hear no. they could shoot. I I seen it. I said <laughs> I know they can shoot now. They're shooters. They off season with Justin Anderson's coach. They're good. They're going to shoot. Like I'm telling you, I'm just talking to people around grounds or what, you know. Yeah, it's the first thing out of everyone's mouth. And I'm like, okay, I also agree that they will be good. And they still might not, even if we all think they're going to. So so where are we? Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, first of all, I will say uh, I ran into a Connor Schellenberger the other day outside of uh, Taco Okay, the cross is going to be good. No, listen, listen, listen. (laughs) And the first thing he goes, so did you go to the blue-white scrimmage? What do you think? And I was like... (laughs) You know, he like played for Team USA this weekend. I'm like, how did that go? (laughs) Um, Regardless, um, Ben will obviously have thoughts as well as we we both got to go as media and feel very big and and important together. Um, Yeah. Big uh, J journalists. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we're important peers. I know. Um, But uh, I, I, I think in terms of like, is the basketball hype real? It depends on like, what are you calling like what are you calling the hype because i think that just competing in the acc for like being at the top of the acc and then being a top three or four seed in the ncaa tournament is like probably the hype that i think is is pretty common unless you're on ken palm no that's what i mean yeah right, yeah. right, right. i don't mean like title chances i mean what you just described would be a huge rebound from and last think, season right and i think that you know after it's hard to you don't want to sort of um after the blue white game take away too many like huge things but at the same time everything that you wanted to see probably other than like a huge jump from respeakman you saw mm-hmm. um and i say that uh laughing because respeakman probably determines the ceiling of this team but um you saw all the freshmen do what you wanted to see the freshmen do and more mm-hmm. um and, and i think that ben will agree with me i mean it's weird when it's a scrimmage between two teams to like sort of take the stat. I mean, Ben did a great job taking the stats and that's why our site has stats on it. Um, but to shoot 46.8% from three is just tremendous. Like, and, and that's against a pack line defense. So um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen teams do it. It's <laughs> pretty successful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like personally, like, I mean, Trout was just an absolute relief to have a big who can pick and pop and, and hit threes consistently. And um, he hit four of those on the day, I believe. Um, he was really good to see McNeely. Um, absolutely is going to add that sort of perimeter catch and shoot ability. He was three for seven, which probably he, he could have been five for seven if, if the ball just bounced a different way. Um, Franklin looked a lot better. Um, I think he was four for six, if I can mm-hmm. pull up the, the stats. Yeah, four for six. As it had a nice like step back three at the end of the shot clock at one point. Yeah, that um, was nice. And and so like I mean the highlights are are, are up and so like I'm I'm sure people have seen those. But um, Bond and Dunn personally I thought looked a lot more ready than I was expecting them to look. Um, you still saw some of the growing pains, especially with Bond sort of with turnovers on offense and Dunn. They were largely playing as a small ball four, which I actually really like the potential for mm-hmm. um, because he's big. Like he's six eight and and he's bulky already. I mean he's not he's not the skinny guy that I I thought he was going to be coming in. 
um, just by watching him on the court. I mean, Caden sort of like bullied him in the post at one point, but he at least like put up a front where if the double had come, he would have been fine. And I was actually surprised that they didn't send that double. Um, and I thought Caden, you know, continued to show signs of, of sort of that, that vast improvement that, were, that we were looking for. Uh, ben, did I miss anything? I mean, no, that's most of it. I think that everyone was a little predisposed to optimism going into the blue-white scrimmage, uh, as Pierce alluded to. Um, football certainly doesn't help with that. Although, like, it's hard not to be optimistic about this team. Sure. Everyone looked good. It was a. It feels like the offense is going to be much less pulling teeth this season yeah. than it kind of felt like at times last season. They just have so many more options. And I will say that I think part of it is that Reese Beekman and Kihei Clark were on separate teams, uh, which meant that you just had on the floor, you had one kind of distributor and then four guys around them uh, capable of scoring. And as we mentioned in our takeaways post, the guys on the wing in particular looked like scorers much more than they did last season, I would say. Uh, obviously it's silly to read too much into the blue white scrimmage, but Armand Franklin looked assertive. He was confident shooting the ball. Um, hopefully that carries over, especially with what we saw at the end of the year last year. And we get sophomore Armand instead of junior year Armand. Um, Isaac McNeely, definitely going to add an element. Isaac Trout, Jesus, that dude can shoot the ball. <laughs> he was four for five from three. And I think the only one he missed was like a step back at the buzzer as the shot clock was running out. And even that one almost went down. Uh, hopefully he's okay. He did suffer a slight ankle injury. It looked like, or lower leg um, in the third quarter and sat out the rest of the scrimmage. But if he's good to go for the season, he's absolutely going to add something. Um, like it's just hard to see this team not being better offensively because everyone looks better. All right. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's also Francisco Cafaro didn't play. He was in street clothes. So, uh, I don't know exactly what that tells us, um, but what, what Ben mentioned on the wings, and, and this is something that, that he identified um, in sort of in terms of the offense, but something that that has been folded into the offense over the years is, you know, you have your traditional mover blocker set, you know, like where they're just running around, the, the movers are running around blocker screens, um, you know, on the baseline, various motions off of that. And typically uh, where you're looking to really penetrate is you, Swing it to one side, guard comes off a screen, dribbles in, tries to get penetration, tries to get to the rim to score, or tries to draw the defense away from him to then sort of like get the whole thing moving so that the defense is having to rotate. And then something that, you know, they ran that continue continuity ball screen offense in 2019, which was like a big, big thing that the sort of tied Jerome and 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 Tony Bennett and Kirk Penny seemed to sort of, you know, um drop. And then they sort of folded those two offenses together because we didn't get a lot of continuity ball screen in the following years. Um, and it was more so folded into the fact that typically in the mover blocker offense, when you have a guard come off um, a down screen, uh, the big will roll or will just try and post up into a position where they can get fed. And that was a lot of what last year's offense was with Jane Gardner um, and then Shedrick and Kafaro at times. What you're seeing more, what we saw more of in this blue white game was more of those isolated ball screens where instead of the, the guard just catching the ball after getting the down screen, the big would then curl up to to the guard or the wing and set that 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 ball screen so that then they could have an isolated um, backside pick and roll, which is a really nice element of this offense when you have the guys that can do it. And I think the point that I'm getting to here is that this year, the guys that they have will be more capable of doing that 
than the roster was last season. And you have more guys as bigs who can shoot the ball. Because when you do that with Ben Vanderplas and Isaac Trout, they they curl up after setting the down screen um, to set the ball screen. And then they don't just roll to the hoop. They back out into the corner. And this is something that, um, that, that DeAndre Hunter did in, in, in sort of that, that a UMBC year where obviously he wasn't setting the ball screen quite yet because that offense wasn't incorporated yet. But he would back out into the corner and create spacing to pull his big out of the paint, which then allows the guards opportunities to try and get inside more without any defenders on that side of the, on that side of the court. Um, so you just, you see this maturation of players like Tane Murray and Armand Franklin, who are going to be more willing to do that. You see somebody like Isaac McNeely, who was running point at point at, at points in the game, even with Reese Beekman on the floor, like they were running a high ball screen for Isaac and he wasn't doing a lot with it, but at least showed confidence in him to try and run stuff like that. Um, you got McNeely. I mean, they did stuff with Bond at times, and he really flashes a passer, I think, um, mm. at times too much because he threw the ball out of bounds. Turned it um, over a few times. Yeah, he, he definitely turned it over, and, and that's sort of like been a, a sticking point for him, I think, and, and could potentially keep him off the floor. When he does get on the floor, though, um, he's going he's gonna to flash w- with some of those, and he's a guy that if you can get to be – better with sort of the ball security could be really dangerous as a mover getting that ball screen on the wing there um and so when ben talks about like the wing scoring this is what we're talking about we're talking about more elements of the offense that can be included um and that can open things up so that it's not just about recent kihei making plays and it's not just about recent kihei getting downhill and finding shooters on the outside right it's the shooters being able to take advantage of what the offense is built to provide them and yeah, mover blocker can get monotonous. It can get boring. It can get into sort of scoring droughts. But when you have these counters that go off of the offense that provide different personnel, different opportunities, you can avoid those long scoring droughts. You, you can avoid that by throwing different things into the offense and yeah. having various guys. Because if you have an offense with Kane Cheddar and Jaden Gardner versus an offense with Van Vanderplas and Isaac Trout, which was, was a front court that they rolled out at one point with one of the teams, defenses have to play them differently right. and and that's really exciting ben's point on kihei and reese being on separate teams is a great one and something that scares me um right. i'm I, I texted him this i think yesterday or early today kihei? uh yes kihei you know uh ben this early today and and um basically i'm concerned that this team would be better with just kihei on the floor than kihei and reese because I'm worried that Reese does not provide. And, I want Reese to stay on the right. team. And, I don't know. Well, what you no, were no, 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 no. This, this is what I'm saying. I just mean, and it, and it goes both ways, obviously. Like, right. but you, you want Reese to be able to shoot the ball and you want Reese to be able to be a complimentary player because you want these other guys to be incorporated into the offense as well. Um, you want Reese to be able to, yes, build an offense around it, but you also want him to be a cog in it. Right, because that's yeah. when you bring those more guys, and you want them to be better um, as a whole with that. Well, that's going to be a huge question. I mean, what you're getting at, right? right? Like, is how much are we going to see one or the other in lineups rather than both on the floor? Especially if it becomes obvious that things just click more because their skill sets are sort of uh, redundant rather than complementary. Uh, guards i mean we you know we saw the offense function with them as compliments to each other at times very successfully and so i think 
we can assume that the coach Bennett wants that to happen. But if it, if you get into those ruts or droughts where it's not working and then that spark is well, put a, a real shooting guard at the two instead of at the three, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, the coaches want to win games, right? Like that's, if that becomes the clear answer to doing, to, to winning games, more successfully then that's what's going to happen and then that's going to be weird yeah (laughs) that's my point right and yeah i mean i can throw this back to ben even um yeah because i mean ben talk about kihei versus reese in this game because kihei just broad strokes looked very good in this scrimmage and reese did not look as good as kihei did and they were guarding each other for the most part uh yeah at one point coleman was on beekman uh at the end of the at the very maybe. end yeah and it's like kihei was hiding in the corner and it was kind of like huh that's interesting um but regardless mm. yeah i think they both looked like it was a lot of what you would expect from them kihei i thought looked very settled in he very much looked like a guy who had played four years of college basketball in previously um as we mentioned um in our article he didn't score he didn't score a shot from the field he did make four free throws but he wasn't really looking to i think he only took three shots all game and finished with 12 assists uh very clearly Mm -hmm. just looking to run the offense distribute the ball and get it to other guys and i think he just looked really comfortable in the flow of the game uh while reese on the other hand had a little bit of a rough time especially early um getting to the basket. He was having a hard time. I thought he forced a sh- few shots at the rim that might not have been there. Um, as is usually the story with Reese, he took a few open threes. I don't think any of them went down, uh, although it's, again, encouraging that they're at least going up. Would be nice to see them go in. Uh, he kind of settled into it more in the fourth quarter. I think he had four or five assists. He looked really nice, especially operating with Caden Shedrick down low. They have a really nice chemistry that shown last year, just going to shine even more this year, but seeing them on different teams, just kind of being that key playmaker and controlling the pace and being the point guard kind of accentuated what's hard about having them both on the team, which is that if you were to sit down and make a list of the best players on Virginia, Reese and Kihei would absolutely both be in the top five, but Sometimes the lineup, it doesn't consist of your five best players. And they're both infinitely more effective when the ball is in their hands than when it isn't. Because off ball, Reese is not much of a threat because he isn't quite a knockdown shooter as a spot-up threat. And he kind of needs to be patient, methodical. He's not a great grab-and-go, instant straight-line driver the way that you'd imagine an off-ball shooting guard to be. And Kihei, on the other hand, has kind of turned himself into a much better off-ball shooter. But at the end of the day, it's easier to close out on a guy when he's not tall enough to get his shot off against an intense closeout. And he's not really quick enough to blow by you and go to the basket and finish over a big man at the rim. So I think Kihei and Reese are both incredible with the ball in their hands. Kihei was amazing in the scrimmage he was throwing no look passes at one point he split a double team off the pick and roll with a behind the back dribble and just zipped one in the corner to arm on for a wide open three um just incredible ball handler looks improved in that aspect of his game and reese as we know when he can get downhill and penetrate into the paint around the basket he's great at finding guys near the basket and also kickouts for open threes but 
you almost negate the advantage of having one of those players on the court when you have both of them on the court and they don't pose quite the threat off the ball that they do on the ball. So it's entirely possible that there's two of the best players on the team, but you're still worse off with both of them on the court than when it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. Reese was also, I mean, he was two for 10 shooting. He was not finishing at the Mm -hmm. rim. Like he, he, he wasn't effective in the part of the game that, um, you expect him to be good at because you know the three-point shooting is like a bonus for Reese. It's like okay, if we can if we can get him knocking down shots, Ben also his his shooting motion hasn't changed. He's still bringing it across his face. Like that was the first thing that um, I think Ben sent to me in warmups. Um, and so it's a tough sort of yeah, it's a tough conversation to have. And I think Kihei is potentially more suited to play in an offense that is built around shooters right now than Reese is. And maybe that's because Kihei knows what he is as a player by now. He knows his limitations, whereas Reese is still trying to find them. Um, But that's sort of what I took away from this game a little bit in that Kihei was just, I mean, in in the first quarter, it was 22-11 blue team, and that was Kihei's team. Um, And then they were up by nine and a half, and then the the rosters got wonky. but blue, the blue team still won by 10. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an intra-squad scrimmage. And uh, to make bold statements off of that is, is and probably... Yet, and, yet and yet you have been. <laughs> well, football That's is what football, we're here so. for. Yeah, right. Yeah. Man, I, you know, the vibes were good for like the last 30 minutes. And now you had to bring up football again. <laughs> That's... All right. Job. I know, I know. Jobs, huh? Um, well, thank you for the insight, friends. And uh, thank you for listening, friends listening. Uh, we'll be back to talk about whatever happens in Atlanta on Thursday night. And uh, of course, as we inch ever so closer to basketball season, uh, some more news there is sure to pop up. Maybe even some recruiting news. I saw we had an official visit. Uh, who's taking one more official visit 2023 guy anyway we'll get to that next time stay tuned to the blog for everyone at Trigalon. i am pierce go who's